Greetings in the precious name of the Lord Jesus. Yeah, I um, appreciate the uh, things that have been shared here so far. <coughs> and I enjoy the opportunity to be out here under the open sky. Something just a little different, but... Uh, what a beautiful, beautiful day for for this. And by the way, Brother Earl, my garden looks like your garden did yesterday morning. Wondered if you have another day off work. <laughs> well, Lord willing, I'll get to that as well. I... Uh, I did attend to a few things in my garden, but uh, there's uh, a good bit of weeding needs done. So, amen. And uh, again, thank you, brothers, for the things that were shared here already. I um, <clears throat> As I said last Sunday, we, um, Brother Earl and I, Traveled to Indiana this week and spent a few days with a collective group of ministers discussing and encouraging and exhorting each other. And and uh, I'm not going to give a report this morning on that. I feel like that would sort of distract from the purpose here. But I uh, thought maybe on Wednesday evening I would try to at least give uh, a bit of a report. How lengthy it will be, but uh, try to communicate a bit of the heart of uh, our time together and uh, just keep you in touch with uh, with those uh, the, with the uh, yeah the what takes place at a at a meeting like that. <clears throat> also, I. Uh, It is Father's Day today. I um, prepared a message for the fathers here. I uh, prepared it yesterday and uh, my heart was uh, much in tune with uh, the burden of the message and I'm not sure what happened. I guess I forgot that I was a father because this morning... um, we took care of our responsibilities around home there before we come to church. You come in to get grab a little breakfast and catch up as a family. And all of a sudden, my children start throwing out in front of me uh, tokens of appreciation as a father. And I somehow hadn't even thought of it that uh, it was Father's Day anymore. <laughs> so they took me by. I wasn't expecting anything, wasn't thinking about anything. And... Uh, that's kind of a pleasant surprise. They had to remind me that it was Father's Day, though I was preaching a message on Father's Day. I hadn't forgotten. I just hadn't, just hadn't occurred to me that uh, they would uh, seize the opportunity. So I'm thankful. It did bless my heart tremendously. And I hope that today here I can, uh, I can bless you with the Word of God. <clears throat> 
So, maybe before we go into the message, we could just, uh, those who are conveniently able, we could stand together and commit our time to the Lord in prayer. Gracious Father, we do, as a congregation, stand in your presence, Lord, thankful, Father, that we can just come before you and make our requests known with thanksgiving. Thank you, Father, for this assembly. Thank you for the work of your Spirit in each of our hearts, bringing us to a place like this where we love and desire to be in the assembly of your people. And Father, today again, as we look into the Scriptures, I pray that your Spirit would, through your Word, be our instructor today. Lord, we're only here to try to convey your heart and your burden. And again, I, I pray, Father, that, that you would, your spirit would guide my thoughts, would guide the words that come from my lips, Lord, and that this next hour could be an hour of edification, exhortation, encouragement. Father, I pray that it could be profitable for the kingdom the continuing expansion of the kingdom of our Lord Jesus, that the few thoughts that are gleaned here today could find root in hearts and uh, make, make differences in our lives, make differences in the lives of our children, and Lord, in the end, make a difference for eternity. So, Father, again, I ask a blessing on each one here. You know and understand each of our hearts, where we find ourselves in life's journey. And I pray, Father, that your Spirit would minister according to our needs, Lord. So bless this time, Father, for your honor, for the glory of your Son, the Lord Jesus, for the furtherance of your kingdom, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. I have, uh, as I said, I have uh, prepared a message here with the fathers in focus. I trust as it is that uh, any message that ministers to fathers would also have little nuggets of truth that will encourage you as sisters that you don't feel like your time is uh, in vain here today. I trust that will be the case. So my goal here is to share a message that will bless you as fathers, perhaps encourage you a bit and maybe even challenge you a bit in uh, your calling, in your role. I think it is an important one as we uh, will uh, try to uh, discover here today. I'd like to uh, just open... Are, uh, introduce the subject today by this scripture in Malachi chapter 4. So the last two verses in the Old Testament, familiar verses to us. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. I think this morning that uh, 
we are convinced that that God is interested in where the heart of the fathers are. He is God is interested and may I say concerned about where the hearts of fathers are. Uh, we see in this scripture that uh, if the heart of a father or the heart of the fathers collectively, as this scripture gives it collectively, if the hearts of the fathers are not turned toward the children, and the hearts of the children then in turn, or as a response, turn toward the heart of the fathers, there's going to be problems. Uh, this scripture indicates that. And uh, I think we've all probably have uh, know and see around us in our world that we live largely in a world where the hearts of the fathers are not turned toward the children and the hearts of the children are not turned toward the fathers. And it, 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 uh, it yields many a problem, many a difficulty in our, uh, in our world based on that one simple fact, that the hearts of fathers are not turned toward their children, and then in response, the hearts of children are not turned toward their fathers. There's probably a multitude of reasons that, you know, the, the, our world is in that condition, and we're, you know, obviously not going to straighten out their problem unless... Uh, the Lord chooses to move with a, uh, a, a mighty revival and turn the hearts of fathers. Uh, if uh, you know, aside of that, we we only see that uh, the problem continuing. <clears throat> so, in this scripture, we definitely discover that uh, that uh, the father's heart is to be turned toward his children. And so I've uh, I've chosen to title today's message The Home That Daddy Built. The Home That Daddy Built. It's uh the home, you know the uh, the the scripture in Malachi doesn't necessarily use the term home, but uh we can easily see that it re, you know it's inferring that you know the father's heart turned home, and the heart of his home turned toward the Father, is uh, a picture of uh, God's will, and God's design, God's purpose, and we want to, uh, we want to try to encourage us and exhort us in that purpose. <clears throat> in Ephesians 6 verse 4, the scripture tells us, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You notice that it didn't say the mother. didn't mention the mother there. It uh, gives us fathers that assignment, the, uh, the home. And uh, its uh, overall uh, responsibility does rest upon us as fathers. Uh, we will talk about... Your, the, the, the mother's role just a little bit in this message, but the primary responsibility is given to us as fathers. We are the ones who I believe will answer to God for how we carried out that responsibility as a father, uh, because God has given us that admonition 
that uh, we would bring up our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And so today I'd like to spend a little bit of time just talking about several points regarding to or relating to the home that Daddy built. And uh, just talk about several uh, points of importance to consider in uh, building a home that honors God, that uh, uh, sets a platform for a family to glorify God through their lives, through their home. <clears throat> the home that Daddy built. I'm going to begin in uh, the first point I'd like to talk about uh, regarding the home that Daddy built is I'd like to talk about Daddy's God. Daddy's God. I'm going to uh, read a couple of verses out of Psalm 128. As we consider Daddy's God, if uh, Daddy's going to build a home that honors God, Daddy's going to have to have a single eye on God. Psalm 128, first four verses. Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord, that walketh in His ways. For thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands. Happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house. Thy children like olive plants round about thy table. Behold, that thus shall the man be blessed that feareth the Lord. Now, This scripture begins by saying, blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord, and that is true. But I think because of the context, it talks then about uh, thy wife, and it talks about thy children. And it finishes up by saying, behold, thus thus shall the man be blessed that feareth the Lord. I think we're safe to say that this verse is specifically, this scripture is specifically being spoken to men. Uh, It applies all around, but... Blessed is that man that feareth the Lord and that walks in his ways. And then it goes on to tell us, uh, to find the blessing a bit. And and, uh, the family is part of that picture. His wife and his children. So, as uh, as we think about this scripture and the fact that uh, That the blessing comes when a man fears God. We'd like to talk a little bit about Daddy's God. Who is Daddy's God? Is it clear that Jehovah, the Lord Jehovah, is your God? Or are there rivals? Are there rivals in your life? Other things that are pressing in and... Pressing the Lord Jehovah out of his position as being the Lord of your life. The scripture says that uh, blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord. When we think about fear... You know, there's a wrong kind of fear, obviously. We're not to fear, but to have faith. 
in God as such, but there, uh, the context or the, the, uh, the, the definition of fear in this scripture and as it's used when we think about the fear of God is basically it uh, gives us the idea of, uh, of holding in high esteem or even in highest esteem that, uh, that we would uh, uh, esteem God above all else. That we would hold God in a, uh, in a position in our hearts that is above everything else. That there would be no rival in our hearts concerning what is really the most important. And that it is God Himself. You know, the Scripture in 1 Corinthians 11 gives us the, the, uh, the thought that Christ is the head of man. Uh, gives uh, kind of the order of headship there, the, uh, the uh, lines of authority and how God is over Christ and, and Christ is over man and man is over the woman and all those kind of things. But uh, we're told there that uh, the head of every man is Christ. And so we could ask the question this morning as fathers, have we submitted ourselves to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? Is He our head? If He is our head, then we have submitted ourselves to His Lordship. Just like our body, your body, your physical body is continually submitting to your head. I don't know if you ever thought about that. I think I mentioned this a a, a weeks ago in a message, this thought. But, you know, the the activity, the planning, and all the purposes are all taking place up here. And the rest of your body is only submitting to what's taking place up here. And that's the picture that we have. Christ is the head of man. Have we made Him our head? Have we submitted ourselves under His authority, under His oversight, under His lordship? Maybe we'd have to ask, what does it mean to submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? What exactly does it mean? I can give us at least a few ideas. Um, In Luke, Jesus says these words in chapter 9, verse 23 to 26. Jesus says these words, He said unto them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Now, let's just stop there for a moment. Let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. That sounds like submitting to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, doesn't it? Denying ourselves, taking up our cross and following him. The scripture continues, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself, or be a castaway? For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he shall come in his own glory and in in his father's And of the holy angels. Now let's put a little bit of thought to that scripture. Jesus says here that uh, if any man will come after me. In other words, if any man will make me his Lord. Then let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. You know, 
to submit to Christ is to take up His cross. To take up His cross is to take up His identity. Think about it. If we are taking up His cross, we are taking up His identity. This matter of denying is not necessarily a matter of denying things that are sin. Yes, we do deny things that are sin. But that's not really the bottom line that Jesus is looking at here. This matter of denying is denying everything that identifies me with something other than Christ. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. Denying everything that, that, that identifies me as something other than a true follower of Jesus Christ. Notice in that scripture, he says, He that is ashamed of me and my words, I will be ashamed of him. He that is ashamed to identify with me, I'm going to be ashamed of him. And so, to follow Christ and to have Christ as our Lord is the challenge of identifying with him in all areas of life. And denying anything that would cause me to be identified as something else. That comes close home. Would I or should I do anything different in my life if I want to be totally certain that I'm identifying with Christ in every aspect. It's a, it's a thought to take home with us and ponder. You know, as we go through life and as we face life's decisions, and I especially want to challenge you, I mean, it, we, we're all challenged in this point. As fathers, as men, as businessmen, how we operate our businesses, and all those kind of things. Do the decisions that I make, and the way that I function, and the way that I present myself, do they identify me with, with Christ, and set me apart a, a as a believer? Or do they funnel me into the, uh, the, uh, the accepted statuses of, our, of, of the world around us and just kind of camouflage us right into the whole mix and people wouldn't know that we are a Christian and that we are operating on different values. It's the challenge that comes to us. And it... Uh, whose daddy is God? But even for us, even for you as young people, young men, think about it. The decisions that you make. The identity that you have. And you have one. We all have one. In fact, you are, you are seeking one. You are seeking to be identified as something. Is that identity that you are seeking, that identity of being sold out to Jesus Christ? Or is it the, the identity of being accepted with my friends? Is it the identity of driving into the parking lot in that nice car and have everybody, everybody ooing and eyeing at it? 
at that car? Is that the identity that I'm seeking? Think about it. Is it the identity of having everybody ooing and eyeing when I smack that home run and run around those bases? I'm not saying that any of these things are wrong, but think about your heart. Think about what that identity is that you are striving for. Is it the identity of Jesus Christ and His cross and to be known as a sold-out disciple of Jesus? Or is it the identity of various other things and the acceptance of friends and that mediocrity where you can kind of have a little bit of fun in life but still carry the name Christian with you and have the hope that if you died, you'd go to heaven? What is the identity? Let's get down to the brass roots of where life meets reality. Because Jesus didn't breathe these words for nothing. If we are striving to identify with Him in all aspects of life, then He is our God. If we are not, if we are striving to identify in various other ways, and have our identity in various other ways. Acceptance of peers, acceptance in the business realm, acceptance in community. You know, whatever it is, anything that sets us apart from being identified as a sold-out Christian. <clears throat> and God, that meets us at different places. <clears throat> so I want to encourage us with those words. Whose daddy's God? The home that daddy built. First of all, daddy needs to settle who's daddy's God. Next, we like to talk about daddy's wife. This scripture in Psalm 128 goes on to say, Thy wife shall be a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house, and thy children like olive plants around about the table. I made the mistake this past week when there was about 30 to 40 men together, and all, most of them had left their wives at home. I made the mistake to mention the relationship of a husband and his wife in the middle of that session. And uh, the, glue, the, the men came unglued because uh, it was, uh, I turned their thoughts toward home. <laughs> but anyhow, the, the daddy, daddy's wife. This scripture speaks here of the fruitful vine by the sides of the house. You know, daddy's wife is an important aspect of the home that daddy built. I think we all know that. Uh, while we have the responsibility as fathers and God gives us that responsibility, we recognize that our wife is a very key figure in the home. And uh, may I even say in the success of that home. Peter exhorts us in 1 Peter 3 verse 7, Likewise, ye husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. And then in Ephesians, we also have this scripture, chapter 5, and I opted to put most of my uh, uh, notes, or my uh, uh, scriptures on my notes today, because knowing that I might be fighting with a little bit of wind here, uh, so I'm just most times just reading them off of my notes. Ephesians 5 verse 25. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, 
that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish, so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. You know, we read those scriptures there. Peter exhorts us to dwell with our wives according to knowledge. Paul exhorts us that uh, we are to... uh, Love our wife as Christ loved the church. Uh, Peter tells us that uh, if we fail to live with our wives according to knowledge, we our prayers are hindered. And so we, we recognize that uh, this is an important subject. And so we'd like to ask the question, what does it mean to love as your wife, to love as Christ loved the church? What does that look like in a husband-wife relationship? You know, your wife is an extension of you. The scripture goes so far in Ephesians there to say that she is part of you. She's an extension of you. Uh, If you love your wife, you love yourself, Ephesians tells us. So what does it mean to love your wife as Christ loved the church? You know, Christ, by giving himself for us, communicated to us that we were very precious to him. By giving himself for us, by, you know, laying down his life, by leaving the glories of heaven, by by uh, enduring what he endured on earth, by allowing himself to be uh, crucified for our sake, allowing his blood to be shed so that we could have forgiveness, by doing all of that, he communicated to us that we are very precious to him. And so I would like to suggest that one of the aspects of loving our wife as Christ loved the church is... To communicate to her in all of our words and attitudes and actions that she is very precious to you, to me. To be communicating that, that she is of tremendous worth. And that you would go to great lengths for her uh, happiness, her uh, fulfillment of her needs and, and whatever uh you know, comes to mind there in in uh, in her and uh, seeing that she is well, uh, uh, her needs are well met. As I said, she is a an extension of yourself, and so she fills a very important role in your home. And her ability to fill that role in your home and to fill that role well is related, I believe, directly to how satisfied and secure she is in your love. At least Marlon's shaking his head yes. (laughs) Her ability to fill her role well is directly related to how satisfied and secure she is feeling in your love and in your oversight. And remember, she's an extension of you and so if she is in a place of, of, uh, of security 
and fulfillment in your love and is able to function well in her place in the home, your entire home is blessed and you are blessed. But if she's in a place of insecurity and uncertainty and, and there's a, a tension in, in your relationship as a husband and wife, she's not going to be able to function and fill that spot well. And you will suffer. Your children will suffer. And you will suffer. So it, it only hurts yourself. If we do not dwell with her according to knowledge, if we do not make her secure in our love, it only hurts ourself, ourselves. <coughs> dwell with her according to knowledge. Study to know your wife. Get an understanding of how she thinks and how she processes life. And then dwell with her according to that understanding. Make her secure in your love. She will then be free in her heart and spirit to function in your home and bring many blessings into the home that only a woman can bring. If we make her feel secure and uh, satisfied in our love. So, the house, the home that Daddy built. Daddy's God and Daddy's wife. Is Daddy's wife secure in Daddy's love? That's the question I leave you with. I'd like to move on and talk about Daddy's children. This scripture in Psalm 128 continues there. It says, they that Thy children like olive Plants round about the table, thy table. You know, so you're a daddy. You have children. Maybe they're in your arms yet. Maybe they're around your table. You know, think about it. God has entrusted you with the care of an eternal soul. Or eternal souls. It's an amazing responsibility. I know of nothing that can be entrusted to you that is of greater worth than the worth of the souls of those who are in your care. God doesn't say a lot in the New Testament about... uh, He doesn't give us a whole book on how to bring up our children... But he does tell us, and we already read that scripture in Ephesians, to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And uh, I want to take a little time to take that apart, but before I do that, I'd just like to just think of in our minds a little bit about a Christ-centered home. A home where Christ is our Lord. He's Lord of our lives. We love Him. We're, uh, life is about Him. And the rest of life falls in place around him. When that is taking place, you know, I have this picture of, of this Christ-centered home. And, and, uh, and children are growing up in that Christ-centered home. That Christ-centered home, all alone, by itself, just being lived out on a daily basis, has a tremendous impact on the children that are growing up. 
in that environment. So I want to encourage us with that, first of all, to just recognize that for its worth and keep that Christ-centered focus in our hearts, in our lives, and in our home. And keep Christ as center of our interests and our pursuits. That that uh, turns to be a blessing in the lives of our children. This scripture talks about bringing them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. The word nurturing is the idea of uh, the whole training and education of children. And it, it, and which relates to the cultivation of the mind and morals and employs for this purpose sometimes commands, sometimes admonitions, sometimes reproofs, sometimes punishments. It includes training and care, uh, of even the, the body, a physical body as such, and also the, uh, you know, our, uh, training and care of our attitudes and habits and all those kind of things. Nurturing. It was kind of the idea of, you know, when you, when you, uh, nurture a, uh, a plant, you're, you're kind of trying to give it what it needs to grow. You're trying to give it just the right environment, just the right food, just the right fertilizer, whatever. You want that plant to grow. You're giving it all the, uh, all that it needs for the proper nourishment. And that's the idea we get of nurturing. Just nurturing our children in the Lord. Uh, just, again, the uh, the Christ-centered life and home does a lot of that, just there on its own, but intentionally nurturing them uh, as day-to-day uh, situations as life goes by. You know, there's there's those opportunities where uh, life uh, tr- uh, deals something our way that may not may be difficult or may be unfair or whatever, and we can in those kind of situations teach by our example and by our words, teach our children how a follower of Christ responds in a difficult situation. So nurturing them and uh, in the uh, things of the Lord. And then, of course, in the admonition of the Lord. Admonition is maybe just a little bit of a stronger word. Giving some reproofs, giving some direction, giving some exhortations. Uh, it's kind of a balancing uh, where uh, we encourage and we bless and we we nurture them and then we also give the necessary reproofs and uh, say no when we need to say no and all those kind of things. Kind of a balanced input into their lives. And one of the things that, uh, I, and I think most of us know this, but we'll, we'll draw a little attention to it, is that, uh, you know, we do need to be balanced in our, in our input into their lives. You know, nurturing and admonishing, nurturing and, and giving those uh, uh Things that encourage them and bless them and 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 uh, affirm them, and also giving those reproofs and those those guidances and those knows that they need to hear at times and those kind of things. When we are strong in just one area, it does not make up for the weakness in another. And that's uh, that's something that we do well to attend to. I like to take the time to uh, read a. I uh, read this uh, <coughs> a survey. I had read this a, a number of years back. Some of you may remember it. But it's a survey that was done uh, regarding love discipline factor. You know, the nurturing and the uh, exhorting uh, done on a number of youth <coughs> a few years back. It was, uh, 
It was printed in the Homeschool Digest back some time ago, and uh, the Homeschool Digest had reprinted it from the Basic Educator, uh, a bi-monthly magazine put out by Basic Christian Education. So I just wanted to give those proper uh, proper uh, honors to those who prepared this. But it, there was uh, research uh, done on 4,000 teenagers... And uh, they were researched on four different points regarding their uh, their uh, general experience as a, as children, and how their parents uh, uh, conducted themselves as as uh, in their parental role. And the four different points I might just give them before I read the uh, the four different points were this: number one. A home that was weak in relationships and weak in discipline. Number two, a home that was weak in relationship and strong in discipline. Number three, a strong a home that was strong in relationship and weak in discipline. And number four, a home that was strong in relationship and strong in discipline. Now, I know that I read those to you and you probably didn't quite catch them all. But I wonder which one of those you would choose as being the ideal home. (laughs) Anyhow, the research was done, 4,000 teenagers were interviewed and they were asked to rate their parents' expression of love on a scale 1 to 100 and their discipline on the same scale. And their findings revealed these four different types of parents. Uh, Weak in relationship, weak in in discipline, etc. Okay, and then they have, uh, they've summarized it. Number one, they, they call it the neglectful parent. It's a low discipline and low in love. These parent, this parent flees responsibility. He may be an alcoholic glued to the front of a TV set. He may be a businessman whose pursuits of success consume all his energy. Or a conscientious pastor or Christian worker so busy serving others that he has no time for his children. Low, dis- uh, low discipline, low love. Flees the responsibility. Just figures it all turn out, I guess. Number two, we have the permissive parent. It is high in love and low in discipline. These parents, this parent fears his children. His motto is, don't be too hard on children. He's afraid that requiring adherence to guidelines will drive his children away. That's the permissive parent. Then we have the authoritarian parent. This parent is high in discipline and low in love. This parent fights his children. He yells and disciplines harshly. He carries an obey me or else attitude. When the child is away from the parent, he takes his anger out on others. Eighty percent of the 4,000 families studied were in this group. Imagine that. 80%. This parent type is most likely to produce a rebel. High in discipline, low in love. Ruling with an iron fist, you know. You do what I say, but no relationship with the children. Number four is the 
authoritative parent. The The one before this was authoritarian. And then number four is authoritative. This parent is high in love and high in discipline. This parent fellowships with his children. He enjoys being with his children. He maintains a proper balance between love and discipline. In their studies, the university students also examined how these four types of parents affected the inner development of children. So we have those four different types. Let's go on and see how it affects the inner development. A healthy self-image. The child of the authoritative parent ranked highest followed by the authoritarian parent, then the neglectful parent, and finally the permissive parent. And they sum it up this way, saying, the permissive parent was perceived as saying, I don't care how you turn out. So, a healthy self-image. The best, obviously, was the strong relationship, the strong discipline. The next in line for a healthy self-image was actually the authoritarian where it was a strong hand. And then it was the uh, neglectful and finally the permissive. And the, where that really comes in weak is that a permissive parent communicates to their child that they don't really care. <clears throat> Next is a response to authority outside of the home and how these different types of children respond to that. The... the uh, this would include teachers, pastors, law enforcement officers, and such. The, uh, the authorita- authoritative parent rated first, the permissive parent second, the neglectful parent third, and the authoritarian parent fourth. Discipline was needed to produce a good self-image, but discipline without love created a rebel. Okay, reception of the religion of the parents. Authoritative parents were most likely to produce children accepting their beliefs. Then the permissive parent, followed by the neglectful parent, and finally the authoritarian parent. And this appeared to be true regardless of their religious preference. Acceptance of lifestyle of the parent. Once again, the authoritative parent ranked at the top. Then the permissive parent, the neglectful parent, and the authoritarian parent. So in these four different uh, studies, they examined the uh, inner development of children in a healthy self-image, response to authority outside of the home, reception of the religion of the parents, and acceptance of the lifestyle of the parents, the authoritative, strong in relationship, strong in discipline, always came out on the top as having the best result. All right. So, a balance. In, uh, In bringing up our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Being high in love and high in discipline. Being parents that care. Parents that are involved. Parents that... uh, And again, there's a security in our children. And sometimes when our children... uh, You know, there's... 
for whatever reasons, our children can uh, begin to chafe under our oversight and all those kind of things. But let's be careful not to just back off and let them have the free win. Because it may communicate to them that we really don't care about them. It may communicate to them that uh, they're not important enough for us to to really uh, take an interest or uh, do what we need to do to help them through their struggles and their youthful uh, challenges. <clears throat> All right, just a few quick points here as we think about uh, giving a balanced uh, uh, nurture and admonition. I'd like to encourage us to affirm your love for your children with words of blessing and encouragement and praise. Affirm your love. Find things to praise your children about. Even if they uh, didn't do the job quite the way you wanted to. You can always probably find something to bless them for. And uh, obviously they also need correction when and, uh, you know you give them a specific expectation and that expectation is not met. We can bless them for what they did do and encourage them for what they didn't do. Uh, but yeah, there is a desire in your children to please you. And if you never or rarely communicate your approval, they begin to think that you can't be pleased. And they begin to quit trying. They give up trying. Because they feel like they just never quite reach what you wanted. So be careful. Be quick to uh, approve, uh, communicate your approval in, uh, in their efforts, even if the uh, effort doesn't always reach what you'd like. <clears throat> but along with that, remember to give the necessary guidance, necessary exhortations where needed. Next, spend time with them. You know, Dad should be someone they can have a good time with. Spend time with your children. Relax time. Fun times together. It can be in different aspects uh, and, uh, of your, your lives and you have to figure out where it fits in your schedule. Uh, our family, since we have a home business and are mostly at home, uh, we basically, it fits our schedule to meet at 7 o'clock every morning as a family and just have... Often devotions, but sometimes that devotional time actually just gets swallowed up in just talking and chatting. And and, uh, and before we know it, the time is gone and we say, well, we do need to move on, but let's just kneel together and have a word of prayer to begin our day and we go. It's not so much the, the matter of, of uh, you know, doing everything right and, and singing all the right number of songs every morning and reading the right scriptures as, and... and following the right routine as it is, and, and I'm all for that, but connecting as a family, connecting with your children, just having an enjoyable time in each other's company and presence. Spend time with them. Of course, the younger ones, you read them books, you, you uh, tuck them into bed or whatever else you might do that shows them that you care. Play games with them, come down in their level. Uh, and you can do that with youth as well. <coughs> Greet them in the morning with a cheery good morning. And a hug can be appropriate for your children. <clears throat> so I want to encourage you to spend time, meaningful time, with your children. 
Next point I'd like us to consider a few moments is accept each one of them for who they are. There are no two children alike. Their personalities are different. Their habits are different. Their needs are different. Their training requirements are different. And there is a temptation to uh, become favor, favor, uh, show favoritism toward a child that is easier to train, easier to relate to, easier to connect with. The temptations are real as parents. But I want to encourage us to guard against that and uh, show acceptance and uh, care and concern irregardless of who they are, you know, as a child, what their personality is and what their needs are. Obviously, not just accepting their needs, but encouraging them to overcome their needs, but, uh, but loving them all the while and accepting them as a person. <clears throat> also, be careful not to allow your children to criticize their siblings. That's something that can happen very easily in a home and can be unproductive when children start picking on children, start criticizing, start, well, she never helps with things. She, he never does this. And, well, never is generally not a, 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 an honest term, for one thing, but it, it, it can be very derogatory. Uh, so be careful. Help try to uh, encourage children to bless one another as well and to show appreciation for a job well done, for help given, and those kind of things. And also, uh, be clear in communicating forgiveness when there is failure and uh, when there's, uh, you know, uh, obviously, sometimes we need to point out their failure. Sometimes we need to admonish them regarding their failure. But when there is the proper uh, confession and the proper uh, repentance over the failure and the person has recognized their wrong, forgive. And be clear to communicate that. That they know they're free. That they know know the incident is past. Yes, I missed the mark. Yes, I goofed. But Daddy forgave me. Daddy put it behind him. Daddy looks at me as if I never did it. Amen? Forgive them. Make sure that forgiveness is communicated clearly. Your children. Daddy's children. I suppose there would be a lot more that we could uh, say, but I'm going to try to wrap this up here. I'd like to conclude our thoughts in John 14. going to turn to that scripture, John 14. You know, the uh, assignment of uh, or the responsibility of being a daddy is no little responsibility. And uh, my hope is that uh, the things that I've said here today, while they may have been challenging, I hope they're encouraging. I'd like to uh, conclude with this scripture here in John. And uh, like us to consider John 14, verse 15, and reading on down through. And the thing that I'd like us to consider as we read these verses is that uh, we have, uh, while we have a great responsibility, our Lord has not left us alone in fulfilling this responsibility. Jesus says these words in verse 15 of John 14, If ye love me, keep my commandments. And, as a result... I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, 
that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come unto you yet a little while. And the world seeth me no more. But ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. At that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself unto him. Dropping down to verse 23. If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Beautiful scripture. God has not left us alone to this responsibility. Jesus clearly defines here uh, that if we love him, we'll obey him. So there's a direct correlation between loving our Lord and obeying our Lord. And then he says that if we love him and keep his commandments, he will pray the Father and he'll give us another comforter. And as he says down there in the words that we finished up with, if a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. And, and, and it, it gives us that um, the, uh, if we love the Lord Jesus, if we love the Lord, and as we said earlier, have God as number one in our life, and we obey his word, we obey his teaching, we obey his will for our lives, we, we walk in his ways. Then he sends the Holy Spirit to be our help, to equip us, to enable us to do that which we probably couldn't do on our own, to work through us. And so I'd like to leave us with that thought, that uh, we have his promise that he will be with us and that he will help us. And I want to encourage you as fathers that with the Lord's help, we can, we can fulfill this responsibility that God has given us with the Lord's help. And He has promised to be with us. The home that Daddy built. Well... I don't know what that home looks like. You know, God, when uh, in Revelation, our Lord gave His evaluation of uh, the churches. I don't know what God's evaluation would be of our homes. He gave each one of us an evaluation. But uh, may we be encouraged. May we rise to the challenge. May we rise to the hour of duty. May we uh, put our hand in the hand of our Lord and uh, build the home that will please and honor the Lord Jesus. Could we bow our heads, close with prayer. Father, again, thank you. Thank you for this assembly. Thank you for each one present here. And today, again, we ask a blessing, a special blessing upon the fathers here. God, Inspire our hearts, equip us, help us, help us to be faithful, and uh, enable us to be faithful in our calling 
and to carry it out in such a way that honors you and pleases you and profits the next generation that uh, we can prepare the next generation, our children, to be arrows in the hand of a mighty man, as the scripture says, to be useful to you, to your kingdom, to your purposes. Father, bless us to that end for your honor, for your glory. Thank you for the wives that are here as well. Bless them in their faithful uh, responsibilities they carry and encourage their hearts this day. And Father, thank you for our governments who grant us freedom to gather and even to gather here in the open and uh, to just uh, worship you with no fear of uh, persecution. Lord, thank you. And uh, may, may we not take it for granted, Father, but recognize it is a gift and a blessing from you. So again, Father, meet each need here today according to your wisdom in Christ Jesus. Father, we ask in his precious name. Amen.